Thank you so much to our praise band. Thank you for leading us in worship. Did you have fun in worship today? It's okay if you did. Man, what a great time. How about we applaud how the Lord has used them today? Thank you. Would you uh, take your Bibles, smartphones, tablets, whatever you have to find, find the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles. That's right, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to be reading uh, verses 9 and 10. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We're glad you're here today. Thank you for coming out of your uh, warm, comfy beds today. First cool morning, first cool Sunday morning, oh, I think that we've had. But uh, it's a beautiful day, great day to be in the house. Lord, lots happening uh, as well. We had our His Kids Junior, our preschoolers, singing here. They sang in the first service. They did a really good job in the first service. They woke up in the second service, so they did a great job. We appreciate them. We have our college students that are out on beach retreat. Told them we would be praying for them, so we're going to pause and do that here in just a moment, but uh, uh, they are uh, had worship. Uh, I think they're having worship probably right now. They're going to be getting ready to head back, so they've had a great weekend and uh, be heading back this uh, uh, this afternoon, though we do have some college students here. We've got the elite here, so we're glad that they're here we're glad to see all of you here today. It is, uh, you've got a list of men there that you want to begin to pray about. Of course, we have deacon selection process happening. This is just the list of men to begin to pray about as we uh, get ready to select some more deacons. And that'll be happening here in two or three weeks as well. So we'll be looking forward to that. Just encourage your prayers uh, for that as we move forward. We're in First Chronicles chapter 4, going to be reading verses 9 and 10. We've been looking at some Old Testament passages, some of them rather lengthy, so today, whether it's feel like it's a break or not, we're looking at two verses in First Chronicles chapter 4. This now is the Word of God, verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. You might want to keep these verses in front of you as we move forward. Let's pause for a time of prayer today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to come and to bring you praise and adoration. We know that you hear every prayer. We know that praise is sweet to you, and we thank you that we have the privilege of bringing that before you today. We do uh, want to pray for those who are on our college retreat, Father. We thank you for the weekend that they've had. Even now, Father, may you be with them as they are uh, having worship. and. Father, blessings upon them and safety as they travel back. We do pray, Father, for all those who have gathered here. Father, you know what's on our hearts. You know our burdens. May we come bringing those to the altar, Father, even now. Also confessing sin, recognizing that we want to be in a right relationship with you. And Father, we pray today that you may continue to be pleased with all that we do. Focus now our attention on you and on your word. Now may the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Oh God, my rock and my redeemer. It's in the precious name of Jesus we lift these prayers. Amen and amen. Probably not the first time, but a couple of men decided they were going to go fishing on Sunday morning instead of going to church. And they started early in the morning, fished all morning until it came about lunchtime, and they had not caught a thing. And they probably were both thinking the same thing. Maybe the Lord hadn't let us catch anything because we should have been in church. So finally one did say to the other, well, I guess probably we should have gone to church today. And the other one said said, oh, well, I couldn't have gone to church anyway. My wife is sick in the bed. Sometimes our excuses probably, it took the second service maybe longer even to get that, but the, uh, 
But sometimes our excuses don't really seem to make sense. I mean, why we don't finish the task perhaps that we know that we should do, why we're not more loving toward others like we should, why we don't find ourselves in worship, or why we are only mediocre Christians who don't spend more time with Jesus. Well, this morning, the prayer that we've read called the prayer of Jabez gives us a challenge to lay aside all excuses, stop living our lives on the shelf or just be a person in the crowd, but live a life that is above mediocrity. Bruce Wilkinson is the author of a book called The Prayer of Jabez, at one time a popular book about this little known person in the Bible in this short prayer. But Wilkinson says, besides his prayer for salvation, this prayer has, is the most influential prayer in his life. Some of you may already be very familiar with this prayer. Some of you being reminded of it again. And probably to some it may be just your very introduction. But today we're making a transition. We're in the middle of this series entitled, If My People. And we're actually making a trek through the Bible, highlighting certain passages as we do. We're not necessarily reading the Bible chronologically. Some of you have a chronological Bible to where everything's put uh, in time. We're going through the Bible as it has been presented to us. But for the most part, from Genesis to the end of 2 Kings, which is right before 1 Chronicles, it is chronological. And really, for the most part, up until the time of Job or to the book of Job, but we've come to the one that is the writer of this. We Sometimes we refer to him as the, uh, the chronicler. Sounds more like a nemesis for Batman and Robin, perhaps, with the dynamic duo be able to overcome the chronicler. But the writer of Chronicles kind of takes a step back before moving forward. And he goes way back. In fact, if you turn the page and if you looked at 1 Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 1, it begins by saying, Adam, Seth, Enosh. It's the whole first verse of the first chapter of First Chronicles. In fact, it'd be a great verse to memorize if you're just into just a step above maybe Jesus wept. You probably could get this one. But keeping good records was important if for no other reason than that those who had come into the promised land that they might be able to know which land belonged to which tribe, family, and clan. And uh, sometimes it would sell off, sometimes they would lose their land, but in the year of Jubilee and at other times they would need to be able to go back so that they might be able to know what was included as well as other reasons. But the chronicler wanted to keep good records about people. These certainly not all the people, but if you look in chapters 1 through 9, feel free to take a glance. It's just a list of names in chapters 1 through 9 almost. And as you come through now, here I am. I'm an advocate for God's Word. In fact, we talked last week and told you how passionate I am for the Word of God. All of it is important, but I'm going to admit to you today, if you're an insomniac, these first nine chapters might be good ones to read just before going to bed or beginning to read. In fact, somebody said that about my sermon last week. You know who you are. But here we have, uh, I still read all of the nine chapters if I'm reading through the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you join us in our 100 days of reading, which we do a couple of times a year, Next spring, you'll be reading through these chapters. But I find it astounding, these names that are mentioned from names that you know, most of them that you don't, from like Adam to Noah to Abraham to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Then it talks about the 12 sons of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. It talks about the time. It mentions names, those who were living during the time and the time of disobedience in which finally came the destruction and the overcoming of Samaria in Jerusalem and both the northern kingdom and southern kingdom were taken into exile until the time in which Judah was brought back. And then they began to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, rebuild the city of Jerusalem. 
Well, why would that be important about rebuilding the city of Jerusalem? Because this is where the great event was going to take place. The event of the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The chronicler stands at the time after the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and looks back from Adam to Noah to Abraham to the exile to the coming back and the names of people who were nobodies, all sinners, some worse than others. But from one man, Abraham, God built a people for whom all the world would be blessed. And these first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles are a tribute to God that he's true to his promise. These nobodies, 500 or more leaders of Israel, their names are included in the only document that is God-inspired and that will continue to last through all eternity. But I find it interesting. Right in the middle of the soup of unpronounceable names, we find a morsel of spiritual meat that should not go unheeded. It reminds me of the rich uncle maybe that gave the wedding present of the Bible to his niece and the new spouse. And they thought the Bible was nice, but they thought this is their rich uncle. Maybe they're going to get a little bit more. They didn't know that the uncle had taken a $100 bill and placed it in each of, the 60, of, the, each of all the books of the Bible. It was a long time before they were going to find it. Listen, it reminds us it pays to read the Bible. Let's not miss this discovery can teach us today. More, most people who don't know much about the Bible, they think the Bible is a book about saints. But it's not. It's a book about sinners. And it's about how Jesus provided for those who are sinners and provides for us so that we might be able to have salvation. Jabez is our, care, our person that we're looking at today. He was an honorable man, more so than his brothers, we read in verse 9. Now, the Scripture does not, com- not proclaim perfection for Jabez. In fact, he was headed anywhere but toward sainthood or toward perfection. His mama named him Jabez because she bore him in pain. Jabez means specifically one who causes pain or maybe even particularly one who will cause pain. Why would a mama name their child Jabez, one who causes pain? Well, maybe she had a particularly excessive pain in childbirth. I dare one of you men to say that you understand what that's like. The problem with that being the only reason is that we probably all then would be called Jabez. Maybe he kicked a lot or moved a lot during the pregnancy. Maybe his mother felt that this was to be a troubled child. Maybe he was born crippled or handicapped, we don't know. Maybe this was an unwanted child. This child's going to be a pain to me, she thought. If that's the case, it's a good thing they did not have our technology or our know-how today. If there had been an abortion pill or procedure by this mother, then we would not have this spectacular prayer from a man who grew to be an example for us. Of the millions of babies who have been aborted, I wonder how many Jabez are out there whom their parents were sure that they would have caused pain, but instead it would have been... Instead of blessing or an example to others, or maybe they would have done something great for the kingdom or even great for this world, maybe even a cure for cancer. Jabez, in the beginning, was a poster child for pro-choice advocates, but in the end, he was the poster child for pro-life. How often do we give excuses maybe for people who go bad, end up in jail, on drugs, they come from a broken home or on welfare, abused as a child. The truth is, in our world of imperfections, it's amazing that any of us turn out but we recognize it's only really by the grace of God. But here's Jabez in a day when a name was important and often reflected the character of the individual. He grew up with the name that perhaps became a self-fulfilling prophecy, like a parent who might call their child dumb or stupid or lazy or no good. It often becomes just that. Well, maybe it was a pain. 
in school or at the temple or at home. But every time somebody calls his name, Jabez was reminded that he was not thought to be anything but someone who caused the pain of others. Are you starting to feel sorry for him? I don't do it because he turned things around somewhere along the way. Read again verse 10. We read it a moment ago. The prayer of Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Satan and this world might tell you that you are no good. The world might tell you that you're a loser according to how the world looks at you or that you will be. Maybe even Satan tell you that as a believer you can't do very much or you're not going to do very much or that you're going to continue to be guilty. But you need to know that the Lord has a plan for your life. Those of you that have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, you can know that God has a purpose and always working and you're a person of value because God loves you and cares for you and has created you as you are. If you're not a Christian, then you have an engraved invitation written with the blood of the Lamb of God inviting you to the banquet of the King of Kings. In a few minutes, you'll have an opportunity to respond in faith to the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Jabez was born in difficult days. Many parents sometimes feel that they're living in such difficult days that they don't want to bring children up in this cruel world in which we live. Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, God gave them their consequences and the name of Jabez might remind you of what the Lord said to Eve, in pain you shall bring forth children. Perhaps talking more than just about the physical pain, but the kind of pain that a parent feels when they know that their children are in sin. It's a small reflection of how the Heavenly Father feels when His children sin. Or except for His name, Jabez might have been a, like any other boy or man, but he refused to stay that way. He rose above the crowd, more honorable than the rest. The word honorable meaning that he was honest, he was generous in nature, he was rich in godly character. He was honorable because he honored God. It, it's an appropriate time for us to look at this particular passage, even as we're going through this series, because we're asking what if? What if we decide we're really going to live for Jesus? What if we follow God even more closer? What if we continue to grow? It's a good time for our church because in our church, we're seeking to be able to discover more ways in which we might be able to reach new people and increase ministries. We're learning to live honorably, godly lives. But in truth, many of us become satisfied maybe with the kind of people that we are because we kind of look around at others, look around at the world. We're, surely we're much better than what the world is or maybe even other believers and say, well, we're not worse than anybody else in how we honor God. The problem is that focus when we're not looking at Jesus as our example, it becomes self-honoring instead of God-honoring, and we stay mediocre, lukewarm Christians. In truth, all of us were just as Jabez, born into a difficult world at a difficult time, heading for nothing but sin and pain and ultimately a sinner's hell, but Christ shed his blood and bore our pain for us we accept him we have been put on a different path on a wonderful amazing journey with the Lord Jesus Christ and with other brothers and sisters in Christ along the way and he asked that we honor him along the way now the question is are we satisfied with our spiritual walk are we truly honoring God have we compared ourselves with others and determined well maybe we're not so bad 
This morning, I want to give you this prayer. I'll tell you that if prayed with sincerity and acted upon and help you to be a cut above as followers of Jesus, to not be satisfied with mediocrity, you can live a cut above by praying for and acting on this prayer. We've talked already and had some, lots of emphasis on prayer, praying genuine prayer. But here we want to pray a genuine prayer, be ready to act on as the Lord leads. So pray this. You have your notes. Pray for heavenly blessings. Pray for heavenly blessings. To the world, this actually might seem like a selfish prayer, but to the spiritual mind, it is anything but. You remember the model prayer that Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jabez prayed, Oh, that you will bless me, Lord. When we understand what it means to be blessed by God, we know it has little to do with what this world has to offer. It's God's goodness coming down, God's riches that are not of this world. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22 says, The blessings, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. The Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. It's not like asking for a sports car or more income or a better job, but something more lasting. Years ago, I went to the uh, Auburn uh, University football uh, chaplain and asked if he could get me a football player to come speak at the church. This was a while back. Bob Baggett was the chaplain at that time. And, and, and he, said, he said, well, I got a guy, but he's no longer plays football. But as far as somebody that I believe that lives it, he said, you need to get Gabe Gross. I believe that uh, Gabe was blessed with a heavenly blessing before he's blessed with the earthly. You may know Gabe, or even remember that name, had an opportunity to be the quarterback or backup quarterback maybe, but went to play baseball instead. Turned out pretty well for him. But in his testimony, he talked about giving up football for baseball, and this served as kind of a parable to willing to give up anything this world has to offer to follow Jesus. And sometimes giving up what this, the world has to offer now will turn into something greater later with Christ. You've got a question there. What's the greatest blessing? It's life with Jesus and pleasing Him. Knowing that your life is pleasing Him is the greatest blessing. It's the greatest heavenly blessing. When you stop yearning for what this world has to offer and ask for what God and heaven has to offer, you'll end up with something much, much more. Jabez does not just say or pray for God's blessing. Here's how I learned it in the New King James Version when I first learned this prayer. When it says, oh, that you would bless me indeed, he says toward the beginning of that prayer. Wilkinson said, indeed is like adding five exclamation points. He prayed to the God of Israel who saved the Israelites from the Egyptians. The God of Israel who had fed the multitude in the wilderness with the manna. The God of Israel who had parted the Red Sea and the Jordan River. The God of Israel who had brought down the walls of Jericho, made the sun stand still. Would bless him, he asked, would bless him greatly in whatever he saw fit. He didn't pray for sprinkles or raindrops of blessings, but bucketfuls. Maybe this is what the hymn writer had in mind. When he sang or wrote, showers of blessings, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. You remember that Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Do you think he was talking about a Cadillac? No, I don't think he was talking about heavenly blessings. Wouldn't it be tragic to get to heaven, to look back, to be able to see all the heavenly blessings that the Lord would want to give you, but you do not have because we did not ask. We're truly blessed. 
when we have the privilege to take part in kingdom work, which leads to the next part of our prayer. Pray this. Pray for opportunities for ministry. Opportunities for ministry. Jabez prayed, enlarge my territory. Some translations say enlarge my borders or enlarge uh, my boundaries. But from the context and result, we know that he was asking more than just to give him more property, but an increase in opportunities and influence. He wasn't just praying for more land and certainly not for his own purposes. You know, the New Testament talks about Christians with wealth. What are you supposed to do with it? He says, it lets us know that there are those who have wealth like most of us so that compared to the rest of the world, so that we might be able to be a blessing to others. God may give increase so that we might be able to help others in the name of Jesus. Churches should pray this prayer. Increase our territory. Opportunities for ministry that we might be able to reach more people, might be able to share Jesus. It could be a selfish prayer if all we're interested is in ourselves or in money or the things. Now, opportunities for ministry has little to do with wealth has little to do with getting more that this world has to offer. Ever had the feeling, though, that there, something, there must be something more to life, even as believers, to this life? We know that as believers that we have, we have heaven that is waiting, a home prepared for us, but he's left us here for a purpose. So begin praying for more opportunities, and you'll be surprised how many ways God will give you an opportunity to serve in college. When I first began to felt led to maybe go into ministry, not sure what kind, I prayed for any open doors. You know, an open door came, I walked through, whatever it was. In seminary, but it's that time I felt led, maybe the Lord's calling me to pastor. And I remember going to the placement office there at the seminary, and I remember the guy there that interviewed me said, he said, uh, you know, there's 5,000 students here, and most of them want to be pastors. I said, I could... Wouldn't you want to do another job besides that? Would you be interested? I'm sure I probably could get you to do something else. I said, well, I feel called to pastor, so let's just see. A couple of weeks went by, and a church contacted me about being their pastor. Only the first church, and the only church that contacted me while I was in seminary. And uh, through the process, and I've talked about that little church many times, and through the process of that, they asked me, said, what kind of compensation will you need? I said, compensation? I don't think you have to pay me at all. They said, you're hired. I'm pretty sure that's the reason I got that first pastor as well. When I finished seminary, I remember praying, Lord, wherever you want me to go, wherever in this world that you want to be able to go at that time. And the Lord sent me to this way out foreign place called Auburn, Alabama. Oh, how blessed I am to have been. You've been part of my journey for a long time and how blessed we are. Listen, you see the question, how to increase your opportunities. It's a willing heart prior to the open door. You have to be willing to walk through the open door even before it's revealed to you. Now, not every open door is from God. and Holy Spirit helps us to discern, but the door might not be open or revealed until you have an open heart. Jabez's prayer is about a willingness to follow, and this is central to our application of this text for us today because we talk about another spiritual discipline for us or discipline in our walk. It is that every believer needs to have a ministry. Every believer is called to do ministry. God will provide you with the resources needed. It's a promise as individuals and as a church. Pray this. Pray for the nurturing, guiding hand of God. Jabez prayed for it. If your territory and ministry opportunities go, are going to be increased, you'll need the guiding hand of God to go with you. Church, if, if we're praying for God to, 
continue to keep his hand upon us and for God-sized tasks, we'll need the hand of God as he'll ask us to do things that will be beyond our ability handle. Have you ever been doing a job and felt like you're just the wrong person for this particular job? Well, this might sound strange, but that might mean you're just the right person if you have to depend on the Lord in order to achieve it. So, why does God allow difficult tasks? It is total dependence on Him. Why does God allow difficult tasks? It's because of total, so that you might have total dependence on Him. God wants to lead you into a place to where you are totally dependent on Him. Many times in ministry, I've come against uh, problems and situations or come to the place that I have to finally admit to God, God, I just don't know what to do next. I'm not sure what I can do. Not sure if I can handle this. You know what God says? You're right. Don't you ever forget it. Pray this. Obedient walk. Pray for an obedient walk. In the model prayer, Jesus prayed, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jabez prayed, and that you would keep me from harm. In the New King James, Jabez prayed in verse 10, you, that you would keep me from evil. They weren't just praying for safety physically, though there's nothing wrong with that. Most of our prayers, if you'll listen to us, maybe even your own prayers, even hear prayers at the church, most time we're praying for safety and we're praying for healing. And there's nothing wrong with praying those prayers. We recognize and talk about to be in the center of God's will, though, does not promise either safety or healing. But the center of God's will is the safest place spiritually. It's the safest place not to fall into temptation. Have you ever seen that commercial? It may not still be on, but where the pirates or the gladiators, they're chasing this modern-day couple through a modern-day neighborhood. And then finally, one of the couples turns around and pulls out a card and says, I have the Capital One card. And uh, the gladiators are stopped in their tracks. They say, let's go after the other neighbors. The byline is, with Capital One, you don't have to worry about attacks from other credit card companies. Wouldn't it be nice if we decided that we're going to live for God, truly be sold out to Him, that we would not have to be attacked by Satan any longer? But it's not that way. In fact, it's probably just the opposite. Thus, this is a much-needed prayer. You know why we continue to sin so much? Because there's so much temptation. I thought y'all would know that. How, listen, notice how not to fall into temptation. Question in our notes. Here's the wrong answer. Keep trying not to sin. By now, you have probably determined that if you're just going to keep trying to do good, it just doesn't work. Here's the right answer. Depend on Jesus. Where we are weak, He is strong. Here's the tricky part. You've got to decide and you've got to want more of what Jesus has than what this world has to offer. Your desire for Jesus and pleasing Him has got to be greater than your desire for pleasing self or for any sin. And you must be proactive. Be ready. You know temptation is coming. So let's be proactive. Be ready by doing these things. Develop a plan. Develop a plan for personal devotion. It is crucial that you spend daily time with Jesus. Develop a plan with Christ-centered support group. We call our biggest support group here Sunday school. 
getting together in small groups. We have others as well, but you need a Christ-centered support group if you're going to combat temptation. It's not that we're going to, every time we come together, share every weakness and every sin and every temptation, though some of you, I think, do. But it is that even when we come together, we recognize that we're all in this together. We need each other, and we need each other for support. Then also, if you're going to combat temptation, you've got to make priority. You've got to make worship a priority. There's something about worship, genuine worship of God, not just showing up, but genuine worship of God and an obedient walk. And not just our worship here on Sunday, though that must be a priority, but the worship that you do during the week as well. Pray this. Pray that you'll look a lot less like you and a whole lot more like Jesus. Pray that you look a lot less like you and more like Jesus. The reason that Jabez prayed this prayer was to live beyond his name. Notice again at the end of verse 10 in the New King James it says this that I may not cause pain was his prayer. Well it seems like a safe prayer. I just don't want to cause anybody any pain. Sounds like the first part of the Hippocratic Oath that doctors give that you know no harm cause no harm. Well it seems safe until we recognize and remember his name means the one who causes pain. He wasn't just trying not to harm anybody. He wanted to live above his name. He's praying, I don't live a life that causes pain, but I want to do the opposite. We want to no longer reflect the life of a sinner, but the life of the Savior. Do you need this prayer? Does your life reflect and glorify the name of Jesus? I expect, like in my life, there is room for improvement. Roy Robertson was a sailor on the West Virginia that docked at Pearl Harbor on December the 6th, 1941. He and another buddy from the ship went and joined some other Christians who were having a Bible study that Saturday night. And as they got together for the Bible study, the leader asked, I want everybody to share their favorite verse. Roy Robertson, the only verse he could think of was John 3.16. But wouldn't you know it, the guy right before him shared John 3.16. Oh, he felt like such a failure. Everyone knows he didn't know a single verse. He was humiliated. He went to bed that night thinking, Robertson, you're a phony. He was waking the next morning at 7.55 a.m. The ship alarm ordering the men to the battle stations as 360 planes of the Japanese Imperial Fleet were attacking the ships. His crew went out to the machine gun emplacements, but all they had was practice ammunition. For the first 15 minutes, all that they were shooting were blanks, hoping to scare the Japanese planes away. And while the battle was going on, Robertson thought, this is how my whole life has been, firing blanks for Christ. He decided then, while the battle was raging, while, the, while they were continuing to be bombed, that if he escaped with his life, that he would get serious about following Jesus. December 7th, 1941 is known as the day that will live in infamy and the day that changed history. It was the day that also changed Roy Robertson's life. He became true to his commitment. He became founder of the Navigators, a group that continues to help people with discipleship around the world. He led the follow-up for the Billy Graham ministry crusade and one where more people heard the gospel at one time than any other time in history. How about you? As I'm asking me, are you shooting blanks for Christ? 
Now's the time to get serious about living for Jesus and being men and women, students and boys and girls of honor. Got a question on your sheet. Why will you not be satisfied with the status quo? It's because God answers your prayers. Prayers that are genuine, God answers. And because God answers your prayers, you're not going to be satisfied with status quo. Scripture says God granted what he requested, what Jabez requested. He answers your prayers for salvation. If you've prayed to ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, you can know, if you genuinely ask that, you can know Christ is in your heart, that you have a home in heaven, and the Lord's going to continue to walk with you. That's reason enough alone to want to honor the name of God by the life that we live. He answers your prayers for sanctification. That's that biblical word that simply means that he wants to make us more and more like Jesus. It's a process that continues throughout our whole life as we submit to him. He prays your prayers for service. He answers your prayers for service. And that is that if you are ready to be able to be involved in ministry, ready to serve him, he'll give you those opportunities. My thoughts are that every one of us here are ready to pray should be ready to pray one or more of these prayers, a prayer for salvation if you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, a prayer for sanctification that we might become more like Jesus, or a prayer for service that we are ready to serve Him, continue in service or to begin our service today. Would you pray one of these prayers with me as we bow together? Father God, we thank you that we can come today knowing that you hear our prayers. We pray that even our preparations of what's taken place in this last hour, through the prayers lifted, through the praise that have taken place, Father, that we're now ready to pray these prayers in genuineness and sincerity. Today, maybe you need to pray that prayer for salvation. If you do, would you pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know that you died for me and rose again. ask you now that you'll come into my heart and life and be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the new life that you give me. Help me to live for you. Maybe you're ready to pray the prayer for sanctification. If you're ready, let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, help me to become more like you every day. Thank you for the relationship that I can have. I pray, Father, that our fellowship may increase and I may become more and more like you and less like me. Thank you for creating me and making me. Thank you for the purpose that you have for me. Help me to be sanctified and continue to be more like you every day. Maybe you need to pray the prayer for service. Jesus, come to you today thanking you for the privilege and the blessing to be put into the service of the kingdom I pray today that I may continue or I may begin to follow you and serve you each and every day may I serve you in God's church through God's church and outside God's church show me areas of ministry where you can use my gifts this I pray in the precious name of Jesus Father God, thank you for the prayers that were lifted today. We believe that many prayed these prayers. And we pray, Father, that you'll continue to do a good work in our time together. It's in the precious name of Jesus we lift all of these prayers. Amen and amen. Would you please stand? We're going to sing our song of commitment today. And as we do, 
pray that you may follow through on whatever prayer that you may have prayed or what you need to pray. If you prayed asking Christ to come in today, we want to encourage you. I'm going to be down here at the front. Ministers are down here as well, our pastors, and we'd love to talk with you. We're going to be worshiping alongside. You just come right beside us and say, I prayed to receive Jesus today. Or maybe I've prayed before, but I've never made it public. Or I need to come for baptism. Maybe you need to come and join Parkway Baptist Church. If you want to join the Parkway family, it's one way in which you can do it. You just come let us know, and we'll help you with those next steps. If you'd like to come pray at our altar, Come pray with us today. You come as we sing together and continue in worship.